welcome everybody to another episode of the Anxiety Hour. This evening we have a very special guest, Mr. Steve Glover. Uh, he's a wonderful entre entrepreneur and in the um, building industry, and he's got lots of stories to share with us uh, this evening, actually, even outside of entrepreneurship, which is really cool. Uh, this episode is a bit of a follow-on too from Robbie we had on last week, Coach Robbie, aka Coach Spice. <laughs> so, Steve is Robbie's brother and um, a huge influence in his life too, I believe. So we're super excited to have you on, Steve. Thank you so much for your time and for, for joining in. We love having um, some really inspiring people come on and share their wisdom and how they get to where they are to inspire our coaches and our listeners to step up and yeah achieve for greatness too so thank you no thank you appreciate the opportunity to come on and have a chat really yeah yeah so yeah so um steve mate uh, are you uh, have you been a tumble boy your whole life yeah, certainly have born and bred, and uh well, like a lot of my friends from school who all moved on to the bright city lights that got stuck in Toowoomba, but um, it's worked out pretty well. And uh, I think Toowoomba's a pretty, pretty good place to get stuck too. We've got a lot of, uh, a lot of good things going on, a lot of good schools. And uh, there's a, there's, I think there's a lot worse places in the world you can be than Toowoomba. So we're pretty happy with how it's panned out. Well, the thing that really drew me to you is I started following you on social media and um, I love everything about marketing and social media and, and basically how people like, I found the level of transparency, like the information you were giving, the quality of, of, of content you're putting out there. And um, and then I was fortunate enough to um, start working intrinsically with your brother, which has been phenomenal. He's really out of the new level of uh, just an incredible character. So I was very interested to see like his his family and because you can generally tell um so the quality of someone based on how they've been brought up and that sort of stuff so like are you able to dip a little little into your story about maybe some stuff about i know you're a great athlete or a great sportsman at one stage as well so i'd love to hear a little bit about growing up and, and that sort of stuff before we get into the business stuff yeah well <laughs> you probably not from head there sport was pretty much me growing up ever from a young age um had a very sporting family. So the mum and dad were, were heavily involved. Dad in the cricket with mum basketball-wise. And I think I spent more times asleep as, a, as an infant underneath a, a, a stair out the indoor cricket centre, underneath the, the stairs out there. So it was, um, yeah, and as soon as we could walk, probably had a bat and ball in our hand. And then that flowed on right through to me. Like, I, I was pretty lucky to have the opportunities and, and some success right through from probably about grade five there uh, when you start getting into competitive sport and then um, from so on from there it's just something I loved and I think it was something that I grew to love about um, more so about just just being around people and, and, and being able to enjoy it with with your teammates um, but in, in saying that I competed probably at the highest level I got to was with through athletics which is what we conceived as a, a perceived as a very individual sport, but yeah. um, it, it it is in the fact when you're competing, it is you. There's nobody else you rely upon, but it's still a massive. Um, like with a squad we had to train with, just made it, it made it a joy to. And it, that's why I went to basically school. I, I, I would do all your schoolwork, and you wait till that three twenty buzzer rung so you could go on and do some training, or slip out at lunchtime and do that. So that that was a massive part 
of myself and got to compete at some some pretty high levels coming through through school especially and then probably probably didn't make some of the greatest decisions uh, based around opportunities that had in the early 20s but in saying that that it has it, it changed the way that this business would be running at the moment as well too so um, I think yeah. I, I, and you do make a great point. Like I love growing up. I grew up as a Gatton boy and I think, um, mm. you know, a lot of the guys that I play cricket with and I think you, I don't know if you played Mitchell Shield or Davis Shield or anything where you'd come down to the Valley and play. Yeah. 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 It changed it a little bit of, uh, what do they call it? It's the same. I can't call it. The Caval- Cavaliers anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and, and that's where I really started to connect with, with you and your family about some of the old boys that I used to play cricket with back in the 90s and and mm. um, and uh, uh, um, that's that traditional sporting community like golf, cricket, rugby league, um, mm. those, those and growing up in communities that really do thrive on sport. And um, the one thing I noticed about Toowoomba growing up, it was, you really loved playing against Toowoomba. It was like you guys would bring in another level to us. Awesome. We're just a small town. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely resonate with the team element. Um, um, but obviously with your athletics, it probably showed the level of discipline you had around your training. And, and I reckon discipline is probably one of your superpowers by the sounds of it. Well, in, in some areas of life, yeah, it is. So. But uh, with sport, it was like I would go and we'd, we'd train from three o'clock till dark. And no matter what it was, it was athletics, uh, whatever season it was. But that was always good. And it, it, it did help that, like, we had very supportive family. Like, uh, the amount of times mum would drive me over to Harristown High School and we'd stand in that shot put rink and she'd throw the whatever heavy, whatever weight we were going to, however old we were, she'd be there rolling that back until we'd pretty much ploughed up their, uh, their field if there was a bit of moisture in the ground and, and marked that. And I, I think it probably comes down to the competitiveness too of sport too. Like, even if it was... And and now I'm saying now I'm like nothing nothing like I used to be involved with sport, but um, into the golf right now too. And it, it's not as like yeah, it's good to compete about others, but it's all about just trying to like for me going to get a better score than what I got last time. And the same thing was athletics. We had a, a PB measurement, wrote that down, and tried to beat that every training session. So yep, it was just a, and, and that goes with everything really. I just I I, I hate to lose. Yep. No, no, I can appreciate that too. Like I threw my, the, the idea of golf in 2020 was for me is I just love to work. Mm. So um, golf for me is like, I really want to get my course management right. So where I play at Calandra, it's really tight, shitloads of trees. Mm. Um, so it's like you're hitting sideways or backwards where when I was a younger version, I'd be like, right, I'll duck or key right there. Like I'd just go mm. for it without any yeah, exactly. process. Well, Tiger can do it. Why can't you? hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. So, um, I, all right. So, and then fast forward, like you sort of, you've gone through schooling, still playing sport and that sort of stuff. Like, did you, do, do you remember having any, any struggles at all personally at all throughout your high school years and, and into your early twenties or was it, is it, is it kind of been sort of just a consistent up level year after year with, with. Oh, not really. I do, I do remember going through school and we were playing like mainly with basketball and state rep teams. And it nearly did get to a point where it was enough was enough. Like I was just sick of, playing basketball really and mm-hmm. and I only realised it was only oh, it was after the run. I think it was an under 16 trial for a state which was split to south and north Queensland back then I went down there and was feeling pretty ordinary um, didn't really want to be there coach 
pulled us aside and said, what's going on? And I was just like, oh, I'm sick of it. Don't really want to, don't really want to be there. Want, don't want to try. And um, yeah, that ended up sort of, I don't know whether it was something to do with there or something else that was going on at the time, but um, wasn't really focused on that. And then after that, he said, you went back in there and you just, you absolutely killed everybody. He said, it was like you're on a mission. So um, yeah, and ups and downs of it, like, yeah, like burnout, but it didn't really get to, I suppose, mid twenties until I did. I, but in saying I changed it, so it was really a change of sports. So it wasn't burnout with playing too much sport or whatever. But took a season off, went and played a bit of AFL, um, had a crack at that with um, the uh, Southwood Sharks down there, and then also oh, wow. trying to go through with um, well and play. Yeah, they were, and I don't, well, it was just an opportunity which arose through uh, work. So first year out of school, I got a traineeship with AFL Queensland. Yep. And um, and at the time, they had like it. Basically, it was called. Uh, wasn't called this, but poaching elite players from other sports into AFL. Yep. And um, yeah, the opportunity went down. Did a little bit of stuff with played one game with the Lions reserves because they basically topped up through younger players that weren't playing. Um, first grade at their AFL Queensland clubs. So yep. I did that and probably haven't had a couple of opportunities there, but I loved playing footy, um, but my heart was in basketball. I went back to basketball and then, then had, a, had an opportunity at that point um, with the potential of like an NBL uh, development program with the, the Bullets were running. And then made a few poor, poor choices with, with our guests from the semi-pros tomorrow night, actually, on a, a night up in uh, Townsville, which were, yeah, it's in the end of the... Looking back on it, it's probably the one regret through sport, through, mm. through the sporting career that I do have with it. So being a young fella and um, all the uh, extracurricular activities that become available in your early 20s with nightclubs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. ladies and, and all that sort of stuff. So Yes. Can definitely. Yeah. I, um, when I was seven, when oh, I was seven, <laughs> Robbie's, Robbie's chimed in. When I was um, when I was seventeen, I actually I actually uh, got uh, I've actually got um, I was playing some decent footy down the hill and I got life flight um, a helicopter down to the spinal unit and couldn't feel my legs and in traction all that sort of stuff. But that really took me on a path of professional drinking and women mm. as well, and sort of really steered the ship in a totally different direction, which I've everything's balanced out and how do you, how do you connect with people the way you do and help the way you do without having an experience? So, mm, exactly. I, so what at that moment, what, what do you think like looking back now as we reflect and, and I'm, I'm really loving where this is going, but what, what do you think it really taught you in relation to sort of life and business? Do, do you think about it much or do you draw on it much? Oh, not particularly. No, not directly. I wouldn't think so. Mm-hmm. Looking back, it, it's just, um, like finding out that there is more to your to your actions, like moving forward. That like that's something you seem so little, like going out and getting on the piss till four o'clock and then playing really badly the next night in front of three NBL scouts. Um, you don't think of that at the time, but it, it has a. Um, there's going to be a, a, a sort of a result that that's going to influence into the future. So maybe just thinking more about what, what we can do today and to move forward in something positive instead of that's going to put us in a place where we're 
sort of going two steps forward, one step back. In that case, it was probably one step forward and about 25 steps back. So for the sporting career anyway. Yeah, well, and I really, I can really appreciate that because a lot of people, especially with the amount of people choosing that short-term pleasure, not realising at the end of that it's going to be long-term pain, whether missed mm. opportunity, whether you do something that changes your life forever, like through yeah. fighting or whatever it might be. I mean, I'm doing a year no beer challenge at the moment just to sort of see how that goes, just to see how the body responds and the cognitive ability with the mind. And um, so, yeah, I can. I used to have, drink a lot. And you talk about like nights out at Fibbers and courthouse and rumours back then. And like uh, my accident definitely sent me on a bit of a, a, a eight, nine-year journey of, of going backwards. But like, and so, and then when did you sort of take that next? So you said you had a traineeship, you're still playing sport. Like when did you sort of take that? When did you realize that you, you love business? Because obviously you've got to love business to be a business owner. You've got to love it because <laughs> no one in their right mind right, would own a business if they're like wanting weekends off, holiday pay. Like you've, you've really got to love what you're doing or elements of what you're doing. Like when did you progress into that space? Yeah, well, that is, again, probably by accident. So I did the year traineeship with AFL. I was actually booked into uni to go do teaching and I did that for about five weeks I think there was an assignment due and uh, I was looking at the assignment sitting there and was like there's no way it was going to get done I thought oh, well, if I don't want to do the first assignment then there's no hope for me getting through the other four or three years whatever it was yep. there so um, basically told mum I'm quitting uni and I've got to spray and said well you're going to get a job so Ended up just labouring with a, uh, one of Dad's mates who was a um, chippy, a carpenter yes. uh, around town, and yeah. it was it was just a, and at that time it was just a job too. Like it was just something to get in and have a few bucks because I didn't do your, your woodwork or your home ec or or any of that sort of stuff, and it didn't even interest me at school. Um, so at that point it was a job, and that flowed on six months there. I was lucky enough to get a. Um, apprenticeship with a pretty highly regarded builder in town building sort of your top end uh residence top end resident residential but um more so that led to uh, i was under a couple of really good old school carpenters that were able to teach me the like we, we did a lot of different stuff it wasn't like your project style where you, you, all you're doing is whatever standard frame and sweeping out for your first four years we, it was really hands-on had a lot more roles and responsibilities early on um and actually got to sort of build our well but do the first like contract as i think it was about three or four weeks or five weeks into the fourth year of an apprenticeship so um had that responsibility but learned the ropes of it through there and then just continued on my merry way, did my apprenticeship, finished that, started subbing um, up till, so it was about 2006, then up till about when the GFC kicked in. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, also, like you was doing high-end homes, so larger contracts, obviously the people involved with that were fairly heavily hit through uh, the financial sort of uh, catastrophe what the GFC was. So he had contracts fall over and it was just one morning. He said, I've got no work, send to yourself. So, Christ, <laughs> thanks. Which that was, but it was looking back again, the, the best thing that could have happened because I was just in a comfort zone 
uh, rolling along, subby, and making pretty good money. It was turn up, do your work, knock a frame up, do whatever you need to do, seven till till four thirty, five o'clock or whatever. And then, um, yeah, that sort of changed things. So I was like, oh, what now? And then took that opportunity to do the extra study, get the certificate four into building and construction, mm-hmm. and um, just mucked around doing a bit of real estate stuff. Um, in that to to pay that and did a bit of a maintenance business, I suppose. And I wouldn't say I worked real hard doing that, but um, mm-hmm. made enough money and then ended up getting uh, my construction license. So builder's license, just as a sole trader, started up, did a specy. Um, spent way too much money on it, did the ass when I sold it, but got a really some really good leads out of that and opportunities moving forward. So. Financially, it wasn't the best investment, but if we didn't do that, we wouldn't have been where we were. And kicked off Paragon Homes in 2011, really. And and so we're coming up, we'll be 10 years in, in March next year. Um, Congratulations, mate. Yeah. Congratulations. Like that's, Phenomenal achievement. It's been, a, well, it's been a, a, it's just a massive, a massive journey too. Like, and it's taken me up to probably the last three years to, to reach out and get help. But it was one of those people that just, thought they could fumble their way through it and made all the mistakes yourself. And I'll tell you what, you learn quickly making the mistakes. So, um, But it's been, I, I say a lucky, I tell people it's been lucky that we, we were lucky enough to grab like an investor's family that we got a heap of units to do when units were booming through here. Because um, we didn't really have to do too much did no marketing or anything like that. Everything we did was, was word of mouth or, or doing a spec home and getting someone through that they liked it, doing a home for them. So it sort of it, it, it sort of looked after itself, but it, a business is only going to look after itself to a certain point. Um, it, it's going to stop eventually. So we've really tried to, to ramp it up, basically our knowledge of, of what we should be doing because, to be honest, it, it's... Running, being a chippy and running and building a house and then jumping into being a businessman and running a building company, it, it's, it, it's polar opposites in the world because you can, build, you can be the best chippy, you can do the straightest frame, you can do the, the quickest sort of rough-ins and, and fit-offs and all that sort of stuff. But one, as soon as it comes to dealing with people, uh, understanding their, I suppose, fears, frustrations around the problems that they have and the the problems that you need to be able to have the process to, to solve moving forward, then like that's that's nothing to do with learning the trade. And there's a big gap there. And that's why you probably see, I think building companies are the highest rate of, of bankruptcies um, mm. going through and they just pop up and they make it. It was a bit of frustrating like QBCC. It was, they're the licensees, but there was all these trainers popping up and just being able to like, do a six-week course, get your um, get your, uh, your your license, and then basically get your builder's ticket and away you go. But and I was the same probably at the start, and and was just lucky we had that uh, continuation of work and cash flow to be able to to do it. But we, like if you have a couple of jobs go south at the start, that's that's the end of it. When, you, when you're dealing in in hundreds of thousands, it doesn't take much of a mistake. There's only one percent here, one two and a half percent there. Like that's enough to sink a ship pretty quickly. Yeah, I oh, mate, I'm really, I really love that story. I think you and I got a very similar business journey. I kind of just fell into 
what I just got sick of being an employee and mm. uh, threw my hat into personal training, lost a shitload of weight from the wrong choices in life and then turned, yeah. my, uh, turned it into studios and massage and now mindset. And, and you're right. You, it'll only carry it for a certain amount of time. Like I found that I consistently hit a glass ceiling every year, year in, year out, as far as growth and that sort of stuff. And what I love is like, it sounded like you would accept and sort of just allow what needed to happen, happen. And I think a lot of people really try and force the outcome and force the result. And that's sort of kind of like that disparate desperation. And I hear a lot of, I don't know if it's intrinsically in you, but I hear a lot of inspiration and I definitely see a link between sport networking, growing up in teams and obviously a big influence through your family, sort of understanding mm. how to talk, solving problems. That's what marketing is. And it's not external problems. It's internal problems. So, mm. um, and I really loved your last post on Paragon homes, like comparing the difference between buying and renting. And one of my big questions was, is the great Australian dream dead? Well, it like, no, it's not dead. It's, it's difficult. And it's the old, I was watching a, a, a podcast. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And they're like, well, when's the best time to buy a property? And you're like, well, 20 years ago. And then when's the second best time is now? Because uh, it, it's not going to get any easier. And that's only because generally a lot of things go with your, um, like what I think is, is a lot of things go with your, with your inflation rates. So when you've got a, such a differential between, and back in the day, people would say, oh, yeah, we built our house for 50 grand. But it's like, it might have been ending 17 grand. So the gap in between there. But now, like inflation goes at three or four percent. So if your wage goes up three or four percent, you might be going up three or four percent on eighty grand. A house has gone up three or four percent on five hundred grand. So that gap is just going to be forever widening. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into it too. But I, like, if you've currently, I think all this COVID hit, and um, there was the talk of catastrophe market drops and all that sort of thing but i can't see that happening just with the, the indicators especially around here but if you've got the opportunity to to move forward you've got good employment you've got a, a steady income like there's going to be no better time like interest rates cash is cheap at the moment um like 0.25 percent or something isn't it yeah yeah so money's cheap and and because of what's going on and the economy that there's just there's no way to move forward like with the, the interest rates they can't put them up three, four, five percent because um, basically that's oh, when you look at a servicing point of view at, at quarter of a percent. If they put that up to half a percent, you look at that as oh well, that's only a quarter of a percent. I was like, yeah, but that's that's a hundred percent increase on it. When you look at the percentages, mm -hmm. that's like back when they were paying ten percent. That's jamming that up to twenty percent. So mm -hmm. it, it's all relative with it. So, um, but I think it's a. I don't think it is. And it's not that hard to, to get into property. And I think since things that Rob's talked about and you might have spoken about too, it, it becomes about a, really whether you want it and, and sacrificing some of the things that you, you probably don't need, whether you really do need to go out and spend your money on that. Because like you, you can get into a, into a $300,000 property for under 300 bucks a week now. And most people can earn, well, I think minimum wage, you're probably on seven, seven hundred, seven fifty a week. So that's under half of your, mm. your wage there to own a property. So yeah, when you put that post up, I'm like, I really need to book a call with your Rams guy because <laughs> it's like, yeah, holy shit. And and uh, I imagine 
like uh, based on the repayments and deposit, and obviously there's all fixed terms and conditions. I thought the, the rent's going to. I've been like me personally. My strategy moving forward is positively geared po- properties and to find mm. an opportunity. And I get that positively geared on 300 bucks a week is 10% is like 30 bucks or whatever it is. But if you can start to really, like you said, like Robbie was great last week. Like he, he talked a lot about the lessons that his mum taught him and, and the program he's creating because he's been a bit of a super saver and he's been very disciplined with his money. And that's sort of what we're trying to do with our programming moving forward. It's not about where to invest or go and buy Steve's homes or anything like that. Mm. Although we will send them your way if they want it, but it's, it's about, it's about, it is about creating a community that could potentially go into that short term pain sacrifice for long term long-term uh, gain and Robbie's even going on. Oh, you want to work for another 10 years if I have to, and then go and do what I want to do. And I'm like, you're only in your thirties, mate. And he's like, yeah, I know. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's how he replies. And I'm like, okay, sweet. I, I, I yeah. get that each to their own, but it's, um, if you like, I'd love to hear about the influence that your mum and dad have sort of played on, on, on your journey around that sort of stuff. If you're okay to share with it. Yeah, around the property side of things. Like, mum, mum's heavily involved in my business at the moment, so she does all the, the accounting bookwork side of things. But it wasn't really till um, we don't we only shifted the house once when we were kids. We had we were in one house till I was probably grade eight, not even grade eight, twelve, thirteen, and then the other one. Well, mum and dad are still in that house now, so it wasn't though we were like they were like those ones that that jumped from house to house, did those flipped houses or, or renovated as, as kids. But, oh, well, them as adults with us, us as kids living in those homes. But it, it, I think I bought my first house in when I was a third-year apprentice up at uh, Kenneth Street for 140 grand. So, mm. um, and, and that's the thing. You look back now and, like, smacking myself in the head, like wishing never sold. The old adage in real estate, never sell. Um, but the time, you think, you beauty, I can make, I did a renovation on it, probably spent, um, probably owed me about 200, a bit over 200. Sold it for about 247 or something like that. So I had a nice chunk of money there. First thing you do as a young fella is go out and buy a nice bright, shiny ute. And, uh, <laughs> was, what, what Robbie didn't do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm polar opposite, mate. I am, I'm hopeless with money. I'll spend it quicker than they come in. And I'm just... <laughs> So, so I'm at the point where I was like, well, how can I, how do I make more money? So instead of saving more, I'm the thing, well, I need to get out and, and create something to make more because so, I've, it's, and I, I understand I'll probably do something if that program, that, uh, that's not the right way to go about it. But, um, but yeah, from, from there, so mum and dad, they were, they were all involved in that. And I think they went guarantor for loan uh, at that time because, Back when I was a third year apprentice, I think I was copping 300 and something bucks. So, and, and most of that was going to the uni club on Friday nights. <laughs> <laughs> but through that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what, that's what young traders did. And, and that's what everyone else was doing. $5 yeah. basics. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't have been five bucks back then. If you found five bucks, you're paying too much. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, moving forward in the property and did that and sold that and did a couple of renovations and then. Um, after that, I think mum and dad sort of helped Rob and he got into one and did one of those as well. And then that was when I got, once I got my builder's license, I moved more into the, the, the newer ones purely because one, they were an investment, could, well, try to make money. There's been some of them where it made some bad decisions on what you put into it and overcapitalizing in, in wrong areas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then so they were also as a so one side the, the investment side of things so doing that to because we didn't have a display home back then uh using overnight to try and generate um some interest from people building those but also to make money so there's two sort of is a double-edged sword i think what we're trying to achieve out of that um yep. and they went pretty well so we got um done probably six or six or seven spec homes now yep. um and i try to do all the ones along the way and i'm not a financial advisor or anything like that but it, it 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 comes down to numbers as well, purely a numbers game like that. And we've got a, like a spreadsheet, a calculator that I use, but it's it's something that I'm comfortable with at those figures because that's I've had mates that come up to me, oh, I want to do this, how can I let's do this, and then sort of run it through these calculations, and turns out that it's, they'd just be doing it for practice, and they're like, oh, what if we do this and sell this and make? This? I was like, well, that's where you start to get in trouble. If you just got to sort of take the emotion out of it as, a, as an investment and it, it's mm -hmm. got to be it, it's got to work numbers wise otherwise you spend too much over capitalized on it before then that's when you get stuck having to sell a property for a loss um all that financial hardship the, and it creates that's when you do get emotional when you sort of get those negative emotions that's when you you make the, the bad decisions so you need to mm. take all of that away and and make sure you're just on those sort of things that it, it's funny because i talk about this on the investment stuff and it's totally opposite when you're building a house for a family to live into yeah so that that is all about emotions and creating spaces and environments for um for how they live their lifestyle and how to how to promote their lifestyle and, and move forward and and give them areas where the family can interact if that's what they do or whatever they're trying to achieve because everyone's different. So it, it, it's funny saying that because it, it, it's 180 degrees from, from how we do our social media and those sort of things. But it is a totally different ball game investing and then building your family home as well. So Yeah, it's a great point. Like um, we, I had my various money issues and spending and drinking and partying and all that mm. sort of stuff and labelled and travel and just sort of free doing what I wanted to do. But as I eventually moved into property, we built um, in a Villawood estate in my marriage back in like timing was everything like one of the a state of the year, hammer strength mm. gym. Like it was a resort inside, but the blocks were like 450 square, 500 square. That was shit. And we ended up getting, a, um, and I went through divorce and I ended up losing the first home that I'd paid off over eight or nine years. We had incredible growth on it. And so for the mm. last, three years I'm like will I won't I will I won't I until I realized that I was still emotionally attached to what I lost and yeah. what my family home but as now it's like I'm just looking at all the deals and all of a sudden your deals come into play and Robbie's been telling me about the investments you got coming up and Toowoomba is like the I remember when they were talking about I don't know if you remember but I think it might have been mid like 2000 and three 2005 they're talking about using recycled water in Toowoomba mm. and like it was like it was a lot like of poo jokes, a lot, yeah Poowoomba yeah. and uh, the, and then going away to Melbourne for eight or nine years ten years and then coming back it is a totally different like feel like yeah a lot of like there's a lot of growth um I, like I was so like I know I always loved Toowoomba I used to work with Mark Crampton up at Toowoomba Holt mm. and I used to love going up the hill playing golf at, at any golf course there. Toowoomba's a great place. So, mm. like, if anyone was looking to – and I, and 
you've given the gold there. Like if you're going to invest, take the emotion out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it comes down to it, it, it's not, it's, it's not easy. Like, it, and if it was easy, every man and his dog would be doing it to, but to, to be able to find a block for just a home, find a block of land, make sure you can do your due diligence, put all your costings, but make sure you're taking everything into account. Like you have your, a lot of people forget about holding costs, your internet costs. If you are going to sell it, you're going to have a commissions in there. You're going to have advertising and have marketing. Um, there's, there's so much that you need to address at the start and then it needs all to be built into there. So um, as far as an investment place, like, again, I'm not a financial advisor, but like okay. Toowoomba's just got so much like positive indicators going for it. We've got the, the big investment with the, the range crossing. Uh, Wagner's what they've done out there is like phenomenal. For, for that's that's why Qantas, Qantas is going to do all their training of their pilots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Qantas when we is, eventually fly. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully they can get up and running. So um, they're talking about the rails. So that'll basically, yep. and, and the beauty of Toowoomba is it doesn't rely on one sector. It's not a heavy, you go out west and they're, they're boom and gloom with, they run on the price of gas, um, all the commodities and that. We've got, Really good university, got really good education, agriculture is massive, um, and we've got some really good businesses. And I think a place like Toowoomba will thrive after this COVID stuff as well, because I think that the big, the the big players will realise they don't need, they can cut overheads by working remotely. They don't need to have everybody pumped into city at high rates, paying high rents for massive office spaces when they can cut costs, have guys working remotely. So I think that'll be a big change. Like there'll be a lot of permanent changes from this. And I think that's, that's one that'll come. And these locations will be more desirable where families can live instead of having the hustle bustle of Sydney or Melbourne. Or... Well, I mean, I lived out in the Western suburbs of Melbourne. I don't know if, when the last time you were in Melbourne used to go over the ring road, like the, the, at the, like not the ring road, but the, across their main bridge and it was mm. two hours to get 25 kilometers yeah. and they were talking about shifting friggin ports and docks and like spending billions of dollars but it sounds i i pretty pretty confident we've got guys working on the metro that i work with working on the metro tunnel down there and they mm. reckon their trip from ballarat which is an hour and five which is normally an hour and five no traffic it was two to three hours at one stage now it's back to an hour and five so yeah like yeah like and um you're right about Tuma being a desirable uh, location we've got business we've got two car yards out at um st george and thargaminda and since covid and the amount of water that they've had out west and it's landed in the catchments out through uh dolby and even further west out there like they've now like added the zero to the amount of land they can they can water so what's happening now is they're starting to mm -hmm. really spend and and sort of overcome that drought and that 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 putting orders in for vehicles and, and yeah, all sorts of stuff. Gets the whole economy rolling, yeah. Yeah. So, mate, I guess, I guess um, we, like I could talk about the business for hours and yeah, that sort of stuff yeah. and thoughts and that, and we're kind of running out of time, but like um, if, what sort of one bit of advice like you'd give to, this is a question I've ever asked you, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the mm. spot. What advice would you give to yourself as a 20 year old knowing what you know now? Oh, <laughs> Probably that you're not bulletproof and you don't know everything. Even in, in, in even in business, it wasn't until I really jumped on board with a, a business coach and mentor that we use still to this day the last four years. And like, like what 
seeing things from a different perspective than what you think is in your head. Because often what you think in your head, you make, you've made up a totally different story, which is untrue anyway. Um, you, you, what you think is important isn't really important to the, the people you're trying to, to provide value to. Um, and, and really understanding sort of what you want to do, what you want to provide and what you want to achieve for a client, but understanding what their the conversations they're having within their their head as far as the business side of things it has been the way and that's changed the way I I talk to to people as well and like you see it the things I hate people talk like business building business it's typical is you'll hear ah oh, quality home and great value and like that's all just piss and wind really um, at the end of the day how can you give somebody value without knowing what they want um, or understanding their situation. It's like, I think of this video ages ago. I was like, it, it's good. You're going to play a, a, a game of cricket and you go into the Amart All Sports and you buy a baseball bat because it was cheaper. So like, that's not going to be much value to you moving forward playing a game of cricket. So to, to really understand that yep. the, the, the clients as a business moving, moving forward and, and their problems. And again, it's, it's not about us. It's like all their marketing stuff which we try not to call marketing anymore it's it's all about education which i just want to put everything i've got out there um, um if somebody gets something out of it um whether they they're, they're building with me when we can't build everybody's home anyway they can get something out that's going to help them move forward get a better result out of, out of what they do that's why we do it and and the people that it really ticks over they'll get in contact with us and and, and i suppose get that help to, to move forward because they like the way we do things. And if they don't, some people laugh at you and call you dick and good luck to them too. So like, yeah. thank you. Okay. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we took an approach, I took an approach and I'm coaching the way business is going for us is like the great coaches and we're really going into a scale price. They've got to turn it in it marketing per se, but a lot of it is, um, it's just value, 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 and then make sure that you're, you, you're telling people about your offer. A lot of people in business have such a weak call to action and they don't mm. realise that people will, will reject you really nicely. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just, yeah. So, um, yeah, like I really resonate with a lot of the message that you've given tonight and I really I love the way your life just sort of ebbed and flowed and, and you, 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 you sound like a real implementer to me. Um, which is probably another superpower that you have. And, um, and that's really important. Like speed is important, but if you grow too fast, like growth suffocates cash flow, And I imagine you might've even felt that at some stage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Too much on your plate. And that's, then you, you sort of get into that downward spiral. You, you're chasing your tail and getting nowhere. So, mm. so um, Mel, like, <laughs> I know, I know you've met Steve before and I'm really grateful that uh, I had that, this conversation, this interview. I've been keen to get you on here for about two months and Robbie finally a couple of weeks ago said, oh, I better ask him. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> unlike, unlike your brother. That's quick like for you, Robbie. Yeah, that is. Yeah, so we're trying to actually speed him up a little bit with that. So, um, but mate, I just want to like sincerely say thank you and um, for giving us your time. I know that you you're not just building you are you do have other interests like uh, you're pretty heavily involved in the big bash is that right oh i did a little bit with that the bush bash up there i w w yep. was, did want to play but anyway i've got two dodgy knees which said no so yeah um 
but yeah, that's not with the team there. So yeah, nah, sweet as. Um, but um, and we're super excited that Robbie's program lands in the, in the next couple of weeks, and uh, it's an eight-week boot camp about getting your mindset around your money right. And like you said, him his strength is um, the ability to save and sacrifice and work out what's mm. important, especially when we talk about like um, short-term pain, long-term pleasure, and um, we're hoping we can build a really cool community out of that. Which, uh, uh, and as it builds, I do hope you can come on and share more knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, happy to happy to get anything we can out there. And yep. as I said, if we can help one person, then that's all good. We're happy with that. So. Yeah, cool. Uh, last question around: Where can people find you, mate? Like, I really hope everyone listening to this, all thirty viewers or whatever's watching or listening, it's we're growing. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Like, where can, I'd love for everyone to go give you a like and a love and a shout out. Like, where can they find you? So we're busiest on Facebook, Facebook and Instagram, but I think we're just uh, at Paragon Homes on Facebook. Got a website there, paragonhomes.net.au. But like, I'm happy if, if people really want to have a chat about anything, like I'm, all my contact details are on both of those things. And we do try to do a lot more content, but doing daily, daily things out there that hopefully just resonate with uh, people, even if it just stimulates thoughts and uh, provokes their thought process around, well, building homes. We're not even really building homes, just making uh, their homes more functional and more family-friendly and, and more suitable to their, their needs. So, yeah, Facebook's probably the best place to, to jump on and give a follow and like like yourself you probably thrive on interaction so you, you don't really understand um what people say until they, they tell you about it so we, we'd love to have those conversations just so we, we can hear and make sure we can give more uh more fruitful value in, in what we're doing instead of um just throwing something out there and hoping people get on with it get on board mm. Yeah, and I love, do love your consistent message and I, I like a lot of your progress videos. And Robbie, that's the first thing he said, like you do not put shit in your homes. And they use that words. Like mm. he refuses to put shit in his homes. And like we built we built with a major builder, Porter Davis, and they're huge in, mm. in Melbourne. And there was the, the entry level price. Unless you didn't upgrade, you did get a lot of shit. So mm. um, that's Certainly. really refreshing to hear. So, um, so yeah, Steve, um, thank you very much, mate. Like, I, I really can't express the level of gratitude I have. And there was some great gold in that, in that conversation. Like I'm taking notes as we're talking. <laughs> so thank you very much, um, uh, Steve. I really do appreciate it. No, nah, lovely. That's the opportunity to come on. And um, yeah, hope the rest of your show goes good and those viewers go through the roof. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> it will too. Mal, like, like what do you think? Yeah, um, Steve's such a humble and grounded man and it just really shows Unlike his, brother. his business. <laughs> he's getting there. We're working on that. <laughs> oh, he's humble. We've got Not to keep there. him grounded. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've uh, been involved in, in watching Steve's business grow over the last, well, I don't know, how long? Five years, six years, seven yeah, years, yeah, I don't know, yeah. be close to that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really, uh, really admire your, um, always your, you, just your consistency, your enthusiasm and definitely the, the value. I know myself, the difference between a spec home and a spec home that's done mm. to, um, to, to value. And yeah, is I really appreciate that. So thank you for your time as well. And yeah, all the best for, um, the rest to come. Yeah, no, thank you very much.
No worries, mate. Thank you. And Mel, another great episode. And um, we're about to do a double whammy tonight. Yes. We're actually going to pause this and have a bit of a breather. And then we're going to introduce a legend, a guy that I've come to know very well to talk about anxiety, addiction. Um, he's basically an alcoholic chef that's turned into an empowered uh, life coach. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's in his 50s, very like cool. he's a nutcase. So I'm really excited to... Um, bring him on and share his story it is empowered and he's another humble guy that doesn't like to share his results but i'm like we are tonight so um thank you very much again steve and mal another quality episode and um yes we did it we did it (laughs) tick